real party, folks. Get it going, baby. You discover the place where life imitates art, and art imitates life. Stop fighting the man and get ready to dave against the machine. Welcome to the PAA Podcast, broadcasting live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Rumble, and Kick. Want exclusive and early content? Join our Patreon at watchtheshow.us and become one of our devoted games. Plus, you can actively participate by going to jointheshow.us or following the link in the chat. Embrace the vibrant PAA Podcast community as we embark on riveting conversations and thought-provoking discussions. Don't miss out together and be part of the action at watchtheshow.us. Join us now and immerse yourself in the world of PAA Podcast. What is up, Dave? It's Tuesday. You know what that means. You're watching the number one American podcast in the world, live streaming the CCRCC meeting for September 2023. Enjoy it.
Ladies and gentlemen, please come and, and take your seats. This is your five-minute warning before our uh, program will begin uh, promptly. We have five minutes until we begin. Please come on into the metal area and take your seats.
you all could rise for the prayer. All right, folks. Glad to see you're all here tonight. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Father God, we just thank you so much, Lord, that you are the God of the universe. That, Lord, the fact that we are here and that we have breath in our lungs means that we're not done, that you still have work for us to do. We thank you, Lord, that because of your son, Jesus Christ, we have this life to live and live it to the fullest. So help us, Lord, to understand what our duty is right now. Because truly, Lord, duty is ours. Results are yours. So please be with us now, Lord. Continue to give us guidance. Continue to give us wisdom, discernment, clarity, and insight. We pray this, Lord, for the leadership of our party and for every one of its members and uh, pending members, Lord, that you would be with us and that your Holy Spirit would fill us, Lord, with your peace. Be with us tonight, Lord. Bring your unity. And thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Chaplain Howell. And for those that don't know, he's a wonderful teacher for our uh, Constitution Alive courses. He also does biblical citizenship at his house. I can yell if you want. I was just complimenting our chaplain here. A great teacher for uh, the Constitution Alive courses, and he does biblical citizenship at his home as well. A great group that goes there. Next up, I have... Uh, our own Dr. John Petrick. He's our candidate for Assembly District 21 for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And I uh, am going to be singing the pledge tonight, or the national anthem. Feel free to sing along. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hail at the twilight's last gleaming. Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fly for the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. Some opening remarks that will be quick about. 
I did want to thank what the Ahern has done to build, a, first of all, a really great place for us to meet. Uh, I wanted to welcome up at this time Shane McFarland. Shane is the president uh, is and CEO of the Ahern. Uh, and I, I want you to know the commitments they make to give us a great place to meet as Republicans, they started when it wasn't easy for them either. They did it during the pandemic and they were always here for us. Mr. McFarland. Thank you. Again, my name's Shane McFarland. I am the president of the AM Hotel. And on behalf of the Clark County Republican Party, I wanted to let everybody know, since you all have your phones out tonight, if everybody would just pull out their phones and just text the word Ahern to 26786. That's A-H-E-R-N to 26786. Everybody that texts the word Ahern to 26786 is gonna get 20% off their dinner tonight at Automo. Now, there's also Tomahawk Tuesday tonight. And if you go to the Chop House, you'll get $100 off your Tomahawk. Now, you'll notice, for those of you that have been here before, you'll notice when you text Ahern to 26786, you'll also get a lot of other discounts, such as 50% off, room and tax, even on the weekends. So we do this for all of our groups. We started this group, the very first group that we did at the hotel was actually the Clark County Republican Party. And so on behalf of Don Ahern, our chairman, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Mr. McFarland, and also his team. Uh, please put, give a round of applause for the Ahern team. I want you to know, they want to, they, they, they want to serve this organization um, uh, because they know uh, that we like to patronize their establishments. I would all invite all of you to remember to go buy a Diet Coke, a Coke, or an alcohol beverage, whatever floats your boat tonight over there. Part of the reason why we can afford to come here also is because we do run up a tab, and I thank you all for that, but I'm reminding you to do that. Um, at our last meeting, they had the floor torn up and all of these things right beforehand. They had the back lot was just dirt. They paved the back lot in time for us to meet. They made sure that the floor was good and ready for us. And of course, now they've built this wonderful stage. And so very happy to be here and grateful to the staff at Ahern. I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm really grateful to see uh, many new faces uh, from our last meeting coming here forward. I, I met a wonderful man, uh, Mr. Higgins, who served honorably with uh, the police and uh, uh, with the Army and in the reserves and, and other higher offices uh, within security. And he's joining us as a new resident to Nevada. So we have that happening. We have new people coming in who want to help us elect Republicans. And I believe that requires, and what I'm committed to, and I'm asking all of you to be committed to, consider it this way. We have the Army, the Navy, the Marines, and Air Force all working against cross purposes, we would be ready and right for China or Russia or whatever adversary to be coming in. The Clark County Republican Party, our fellow uh, Republican groups, both brother and sister, all across Nevada and here in Clark County, 
I see the president of the town hall Republican group that meets upstairs here. We all are the Army, Navy, Marines, and the Air Force. And I want to see us focus on the one singular mission that matters, electing Republicans, defeating Democrats. And that is something that we all in our own behavior have to own. We want to be a strong, robust, and passionate group who's focused on the real prize, which is defeating the other side. I did want to thank uh, Lieutenant Colonel David Flippo. He and his business, First Command, they are sponsoring tonight's event. Upwards of $1,500 to match donations. So I'm asking for if any of you could use this QR code or even go to our website, ClarkCountyRepublicanParty.com, you can go on there and donate, and he will match those donations up to $1,500. So I wanted to thank him. He couldn't join us tonight. He's in D.C. He's working to get elected. He's a man running for Congressional District 4. Just did an announcement last week. Really great group of people. But I did want to thank him. And, and don't forget, this donate little donate button will be showing up a few times more tonight. So also, we do have some signed Vivek Ramaswamy books. However, I don't have the raffle tickets. So what I want to do is prepare all of you to know that we're going to be raffling off the Vivek Ramaswamy books that are signed and that we're going to have those raffles at all of our events until we sell enough and then we'll raffle and we'll keep going from there. With uh, the mention of Vivek, I wanted to thank uh, his campaign, who's uh, represented tonight by Charles Munoz. I don't know where Charles is, but Vivek was the first candidate to actually donate today to be participating in the presidential caucus which is scheduled to be held on February the 8th. So he's already paid his money to the state party, and he's the first one to do so. I understand, but I don't know for sure that the Trump campaign has done this as well. And, uh, and we had uh, received word that there was another one, but I don't want to speak out of turn unless somebody from the state party gives me the high sign, and I can tell you who that third person is as well. But uh, we do see that as being a very uh, passionate discussion happening this Saturday. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Do not worry, we are going to talk about that. So with that, I wanted to call this meeting to order. Good evening. Thank you all for joining us. I wanted to recognize those in the room who are our elected officials. I saw our own Assemblywoman, Danielle Gallant. Where is she at? Danielle? Assemblywoman Gallant? She may be in the back of the room, but I wanted to thank her for coming. Uh, and then also, if you are a, an announced candidate for federal or state office, please stand right now so that we can recognize you. Brandon Davis, I was looking at an assembly race. We've got Mr. Lindemann, Barry Lindemann running for U.S. Senate. We've got Eddie Hamilton running for U.S. Senate. And I don't know who you're pointing at. Uh, oh, Stephanie Phillips running for U.S. Senate. US Senate. Uh, she's back there. And uh, do I have any other uh, Because I know that there's, I know we're thinking about it, or, or maybe I should try to talk into it. Guys like our uh, own faith, uh, Judge Mark Stevens, the great guy out of Henderson. Oh, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm Kelly Chapman. You're running that. Is it Assembly 8? Assembly 8. Thank you, Kelly, so much. And Jim Marshawn. Oh, my goodness. Jim Marshawn. Jim Marshawn, running for U.S. Senate as well. Thank you all. Thank you all. We want you, one of you, to be our champion in each of those races so we can beat the Democrats in the fall of 24. 
Thank you so much to Sally Minster. She just let me know how many people we have so we can move forward with declaring the quorum. The next item on the agenda is the declaration of the quorum. There are currently 752 voting members of the Clark County Republican Central Committee with 189 of those members being present at tonight's meeting, 10% of the membership constituting a quorum, and we've been into the chair. We have a quorum necessary to conduct business. Thank you. The next item on the agenda is the consent calendar as defined in Chapter 1, Section 8 of our standing rules. The consent calendar, which contains the approval of the membership changes resolution, the agenda, and the meetings from the prior uh, meeting, the minutes from the prior meeting, it must be considered as a single item of business without amendment or debate, taken as a single vote. A motion and a second to adopt is not required once passed. All matters of the consent calendar are passed as if they were adopted separately. Here's a uh, mention of some of the names from the membership resolution. This was emailed out with the call to the meeting. Uh, we did not have any updates from that uh, that had been addressed to me. Uh, any of those solutions that we needed at that desk were handled. All those in favor of adopting the consent calendar, please say aye. Aye. All opposed, please say nay. The consent calendar is adopted. So again, here's your opportunity to donate. I know that uh, we're going to have our own basket being passed. Uh, Mike Steigman, will you help Teresa, our treasurer, pass the basket for, uh, for the donations? Our first presentation tonight, I'm very grateful for Dave Creek. Could you come on up here, Dave? So how many of you guys know Dave Creek in this organization? He's been around for a number of years with us. Mr. Creek has created uh, an organization that is vitally important, especially here in Southern Nevada. The Invisible Enemy addresses those who serve in areas of our state that the Pentagon or Department of Defense don't even acknowledge exist. Let alone if there's somebody who has a service-related condition, are they able to get much care? I don't want to take Mr. Creed's thunder. He cares very deeply about this organization, and he's going to bless us with about eight minutes, ten minutes total to discuss what this organization does, and we're all, we're all very grateful for you to join us here. Dave Creed. Thank you. So for those of you that don't know, I know who I am, just consider yourself blessed. But who I am, uh, besides being a father of four, grandfather of six, and all kinds of other people that think they're family that walk in my front door, I'm also a United States Air Force veteran. I served at the Tonopah Test Range from 1983 to 1987. I was in the Air Force from 1983 to 1989. And for those of you that don't know, those were back in the days when um, the stealth fighter was being developed. When I showed up, there was a few. When I left, there was a bunch. We went from something that was an experiment to something that was an operational aircraft and an operational unit. If you're 18 years old and you get a top secret SCI security clearance, it's fairly unique. For those of you that have ever had anything like that, you know, for essentially a kid to get one is a, is pretty amazing. All my buddies in high school thought that I was some kind of criminal. I swear to God, the first time I went home, they're like, what the hell did you do? So this is one of our aircraft, not the stealth, that's a MiG-21. First day I showed up at the site, 
they told us all about stuff we're going to do, except they didn't tell us that when we landed, we were going to see a flight line full of Russian MiGs. Now, I was at Tonopah. There's other places that people talk about, like Groom Lake. Even Indian Springs is included in it. But there's that's where all, as we put it, the secret squirrel stuff gets gets developed. And I truly was blessed to be a part of that. Our issue, as Jesse kind of alluded to, is to this day, according to the Department of Defense, I was never there. I got my medical records a couple of months ago, finally, from the National Archives. My medical records show that I had a pre-enlistment physical. I had knee surgery on my right knee. I never saw the dentist every year that I saw. Never had the physical every year that I saw. I didn't have my exit physical. I didn't go to the emergency room. I didn't do anything. There was nothing in my records. And all of us have records that look just like that. A couple of guys have a little more, and they're redacted. So it creates a problem because if you were ever somewhere and you got exposed to something like Gulf War vets and things like that, you get acknowledged for being exposed. The Air Force shows we lived in Vegas, but they don't show what we did, where we worked, and they won't acknowledge anything that we did. So this on here is, is NTTR, right? Nevada Test and Training Rings. My specific spot we call TTR, which is the Tonopah Test Rings. You can see a little box in the middle that we refer to as the box that's Groom Lake, kind of the pinkish oranges areas in Nevada test site. But that's NTTR, it's, it's 2.1 million acres of where the Air Force gets to go and do stuff. That right there is a picture of a 117 on our flight line in Tonopah. How did that work? Well, there we go. So this is some of the things that the Air Force has admitted are up there and were the contaminants. We had plutonium-239, uranium, depleted uranium, beryllium, rocket fuel, JP4, JP8, benzene, hydrazine, halon, classified compounds and unclassified compounds, burn pits, incinerators, and conventional chemical explosives. The thing for those of us that worked at Tonopah test range is the fact that the report that says all that came out in 1975. My base was built in 1979. 1975, the federal government said Tonopah test range is contaminated with plutonium, both the soil and the groundwater. So the water we drank, the water we bathed in, the water that our food was cooked in was all contaminated. That's a little detail they kind of forgot to tell everybody. So for those of us that were stationed up there, we have all kinds of different issues, whether it's cancers. Um, one of the guys on my board of directors in Texas right now has thyroid cancer bladder cancer and colon cancer. That's what he has right now. All right, I have silicosis, I have tumors. This isn't like a goose egg on my forehead. And we have tumors all over. The largest tumor I've had removed is the size of a grapefruit. And I'm not telling you this to feel sorry for me because I could tell you stories that would make you feel bad, but it's the fact that these things exist. We have guys that have liver disease and kidney disease and all kinds of stuff because we breathe in something called the alpha particle, right? It's part of the plutonium, we breathe it in. And it's so small that it enters our bloodstream and then it travels through our bodies. All of, almost all of the guys that were stationed up there that had wives back home, the wives had miscarriages. My wife had three. The most I know of of the guys I worked with was that one guy's wife had seven miscarriages. Because it impacts the reproductive system, it's, it messes up the DNA and it permanently changes the male chromosome. I was not a science person in college. I avoided it like the plague. The 
this is just stuff that I've learned through the research that I've done over the last eight years. All four of my children, all four of my children have problems because of my service up there. Um, I have a son born with new, neurofibromatosis, which is, ever seen the movie Mask, it's one of the forms of the disease that Cher's son in the movie has. Um, spina bifida is a common problem. One of the guys I work with, his wife, or his wife, his son is 35 years old. He's had over 50 surgeries. And multiple kids have been born with this because of what it does. And the issue then comes to that we've all been denied benefits because we were never there. We worked side by side with the DOE. The DOE built the hangers, I guarded them. Right? When they were building them, I guarded the guys that were building the hangers. And they've all been compensated. They all have lifetime health care. There's a bill that's called EOIPA. President Clinton in 2000 signed that bill into law and also signed an executive order which blocked the military from filing a claim. The only way to beat an executive order, I have learned, is through a bill in Congress. Congressman Amendate is our sponsor. I talked to him for 45 minutes. And he said, quote, I'll give you whatever the hell you want when he started to understand it. I went to Congressman Amadei because I'm a part of this party and he's the only federally elected official that hangs his single on the same side of the aisle as we do. I wasn't giving it to a Democrat. So we're asking Congress to acknowledge what we've done. This aircraft is called toxic death. This is actually a a paint job given to one of our aircraft for a specific reason a long time ago. Little did they know what it was going to mean today. So you've seen the area that we've worked. You've seen um, some of the contaminants uh, that we've been exposed to, especially the radioactive, the ionizing radiation. Per the DOD, our issue is we don't exist. We've never been there. Therefore, we were never exposed. Therefore, we can't claim benefits. A buddy of mine right now is going through diagnosis for leukemia, okay? And it's a very rare, very serious form of leukemia. He went to the VA, they denied him even to see a doctor because they said it wasn't service-connected. And since he has nothing service-connected, he can't get treatment there. So these are some more of the guys up range. These are some more of the MIGs. Um, as I said, Congressman Amaday is who introduced our bill. We are currently in our third draft with legislative council in Congress and we're starting in the House. And this is something that's important for all of us because not only are we trying to get VA benefits, there's DOD employees and contractors that work there, and many of them are super sick. I mean, sick, they worked there for decades, and it's truly horrible what's happened to them, and they get nothing. And our kids that are born with problems are so far out of the scope of anything that they can see that they aren't even acknowledged, and my goal is to fix that. So, this is me on an assignment. Thank you, Leonard. Um, I can't go into detail, but see this picture. I'm the guy, I'm guessing, on the right. How do you guys see it? No, the left. All right, see that? Guy in the middle. His name is John Bongiorno. He was one of my good buds when I served. He died seven years ago from a heart attack with no known health reason. It's a pretty common way our guys die. It's, 
it's really not a joke. I'm not running around and talking to people around the country because we're whining. I don't want anybody to think that. Currently, our memorial list that we have found since the end of April is 255 of our men and women are dead already. We're not into waiting for any more. So my goal in talking to you tonight is two things. One, it's not to depress you. The story sucks, but we can communicate with people and find the members of our units because there is no master list, number one. And number two, there's going to be a day that we need help. There's going to be a day, because I've already gotten the excuse, this is going to cost more than a billion dollars. No kidding. You spend 140 in Ukraine, maybe you can take care of our guys. I'm not going to argue whether or not... I'm not going to argue whether or not Ukraine is good or bad. That's not my argument. My argument is take care of the guys that you knowingly poisoned, that you refuse to recognize, and their family members that you made sick. And it will take everybody's help. I'm one guy, and I'm fighting my ass off. But it'll take everybody I can talk to to help us make a difference, to make our government do two things. One, the right thing. And number two, tell them, don't do this anymore. It's not okay to make people be guinea pigs. It's not okay to wake up one morning and say, and I have the documents where they said, we'll deal with the problem later. We're the problem. We're proud of what we did. We did something nobody else will ever have a chance to do again. We ended the Cold War. We did something really important. But it's not an excuse to make people sick. So I thank Jesse for giving me this time. I thank you guys for listening. If you have questions, I'm around. But to me, it's important. God bless everybody. Thank you. Dave, uh, you did great, Dave. You know you did great. You're representing the, uh, the issue, a very serious issue, very well. And I was uh, very impressed with how, uh, how seriously he takes the issue, that he would actually present this. He told me a great story about having to go and beat down the door of our congressional representative out of District 4, some Democrat, I don't know. But to get the meeting, and he got the meeting. And that's the kind of fight, and I'm just I'm impressed with it. I thought our membership would want to know that one of our own is looking to take care of uh, many forgotten families. So uh, thank you, Dave Preet, very much for coming forward with that presentation. At this time, uh, I have, uh, I wanted to invite up Helen Oseguera or a member of the Candidate Development Committee. I wanted to invite Paul Bodine, although I didn't see him here, uh, and then also from the uh, Communications Committee, Rob Miney, if you could come on up, that would be great. Thank you all for the indulgence of letting me download a last second slide presentation. All right. So I'll play for current slide. Okay. Helen, could you come on up, please? Hi, everybody. It's Helen Oseguera. I am the candidate chairperson for the Candidate Development Committee. 
and I'm here to give you an update on what we've been doing. So for the last several months, we've been creating modules and training services for candidates. We actually have a presentation coming up on Tuesday. Here, I can't. I'm this. Okay, in recent weeks, the Canada Bill McKinney has created PowerPoint presentations and modules for the following topics. Things to consider before deciding to run for office. Very important before you make that final decision that you have everybody in your family on board. You have to work together with your families and your friends. Very important. The anatomy of the campaign, which is the key components that we are creating. Our fundraising module is this coming Tuesday, and that's to help candidates learn how to raise money. We have other topics that we will be doing. We'll be doing used paid and unpaid media, data and analytics, how to build an effective ground game will be rolled out in the coming weeks and months. These modules we fashion into training classes that will be rolled out for prospective candidates next year and help them increase the effectiveness of their campaign. We also will be providing candidate packets, which will be also giving you a candidate checkoff list, which means we start to finish what you need to do to complete your campaign, starting from the very beginning before you even file for office. This will be a great resource for all first-time candidates not familiar with the ins and outs and many steps that need to prepare for a campaign launch. We are identifying candidates in competitive races as right now. The Candidate Development Committee has made identifying candidates to run the 2024 election our top priority. The committee has been relying on social media, news reports, and word of mouth to find out who is running. After that, the leadership has reached out to them, myself included. Our main goal is to identify the races that will be likely most competitive and recruit candidates for them. Please reach out if you'd like to be a candidate or know someone who might be interested. And I don't say that lightly, because I'm telling you right now, all the faces that I see here in this audience, if you are impassioned like I am to win back our state and take back our country, I suggest you run for office. Because this is what we need. We need fighters and we need warriors to take it all back. And that's it for me. But anyway, we meet every Tuesday night and it's 6 to 8 p.m. I have a sign-up sheet in the back over there. If you're interested in running for office or if you would like to be a volunteer for the candidates to help with the, in the initiative, please come see me at the table. Thank you very much. So I wanted to say a couple of words about what uh, that team has done. It's chaired by Helen Oseguera, her vice chair is Zach Hayes, her secretary is Bill Castle, I want you all to know that they are dedicated to what I believe to be rather important and serious. There is a lot of, there are a lot of folks in this room who have taken a close look at what they're doing, right? I've got, I want to pick on Zach Guyman. What are they doing? Because Zach works with candidates. He's a consultant. He wants to know what's the Clark County Republican Party doing. We have the Nevada GOP. They have a candidate school. So what's the Clark County Republican Party doing? We have Keystone. I've seen a couple board members here tonight. Keystone is amazing. These are folks, they find some of the most qualified business owners. They help, help keep our taxes low. They help get guys and girls elected uh, as Republicans. What the heck is the Clark County Republican Party doing if all these other groups are, do, are, are already doing so? Well, 
This as a first cycle, we're building out a legacy. How else do you build a bench without getting started? And I've been sort of a tough taskmaster, noting that all of our stakeholders exist and are nervous as well they should be. This is a very serious game going against the Democrats. So how serious are we being? Well, every time I would try to up the bar and I get a little cranky about something or whatever it is, Helen and the team would double down on what they could do to make it better. They have professional presentations. How many candidates are in this room that have participated? I know that there's more. I've seen you. All right, well, I know Kelly has. We have regularly about 20 or so folks going to this meeting. In fact, I know I see somebody else back there that has too. So y'all are very shy for being candidates. Next time we have to speak up anyway. But I did want to say thank you uh, to Helen. It's been a labor of love trying to figure this out. This is how we build it going forward. How successful can we be in 24 on the first iteration? I think we're on a good trajectory. How successful for 26, 28, 30? That's what our party deserves and that's what our members deserve. So thank you again. Next up, I wanted to invite our own uh, Communications and Community Relations Committee Vice Chairman, Robert Mining. Thank you, Jesse. Don't have any slides for you. I can show you some pictures of my family and my phone later if that's helpful. But uh, I, I just want to share a couple of things. Number one, our chairman, uh, Perry, is uh, out of town on some family uh, issues and uh, happy to take her place, but uh, I can't replace her. She's a, doing a tremendous job running the, the group. And I know Carol and my friend, not missing, but Howell and, and Heidi and others would tell you that, that she's just doing a remarkable job. Uh, Sue and I grew up in Indiana politics and worked in the state party and in the county party in Indianapolis there for many years. And we've lived here a while and a couple of years ago started to feel guilty that we hadn't gotten involved. So we just started uh, fairly recently this year getting involved and uh, we're really glad that we did. I gotta tell you the first meeting that we attended uh, was when they talked about the results of the, of the hot wash uh, and all the, all the various committees that came out of it. And we walked away saying, you know what? I think there's something going on here. And we still believe that. Uh, and we are solidly for whoever's going to be Joe Biden in 2024. Okay. Uh, I, I just, just a real a side comment, and I have to charge for that. It's real easy in any organization, it's not unique to politics, to get hung up in the intricacies and the, you know, the personal you know, challenges and debates and stuff. Uh, I think the time for that has passed us. I think we are. Uh, and it's, we always say it, but it's always true. We're in the election of a lifetime. And I think the question of whether my daughter, who's 26, is going to be able to live in the kind of nation that I grew up with is really at risk. Uh, and at this point, we've got to, we've got to come together. Uh, whatever myths we have to uh, have differences over, we'll have a cup of coffee after the election when we're celebrating victory. Uh, but that's, that's the attitude, I think. That's, that's the attitude I think we have to have moving forward. Uh, a couple of quick notes on what the communications committee is doing. We have really two groups. We have the overall committee that meets every Monday. We have the wordsmithing group that meets on Thursdays. And we basically go over written communications and emails and texts and things that people within the party organization have asked us to look at. Uh, we, we think it works pretty well. And if any of you have anything that you're uh, considering sending out or a script you're using and would like another set of eyes on it, we'd be happy to help. You don't have to take our suggestions, but we're happy to look over and help in any way we can. Uh, we've been putting out a newsletter for what, three three issues now, Hal, I think it is. Uh, and Hal has been instrumental in that. Thank you, sir, for your leadership on that. Uh, we, we also 
uh, are looking very uh, seriously at getting more active in social media. And uh, Greg, sitting, I believe, in the back of the room, has helped take the lead on that. Uh, but the big thing I want to share with you is our, our intentions to do some outreach on behalf of the party. We have a group of organizations that, depending on the day you run the, run the report, is 60 to 80, uh, that may have some relationship with our goals here in the Clark County Republican Party. Uh, they don't have to be groups that are with us on everything. The issue for them is, do you agree it's time to put a conservative in office here? That's the question. If the answer is yes, good. There's got to be something we can do together. We don't want to dupl duplicate action. We don't want to replace you. We don't require that you worship at the, the county altar to work with us. We just want to see where we can co coordinate and complement each other's efforts. All right? And I've had a couple of people ask me, well, what do you do if you go speak with these groups? And they say, so if there's an argument about that, you're talking to the wrong guy. Uh, what I'm here to talk about today is that we can elect Republicans in the fall of 24. And if you share that as your goal, uh, we would love to have you come to the committee meeting. We'd love to have your thoughts, your suggestions, and we couldn't be happier to be part of this organization. Thank you very much. All right. I don't want to turn this into a roast session or anything like that, but Rob Miney just spoke, so I'm ready to roast him. Uh, you know, it's an easy thing to make a joke like that because I am extremely grateful for what he intends to do, what he just talked about with the other groups. I, I mentioned the Army, Navy, Marines, and the Air Force earlier tonight. Um, I believe that Rob Miney uh, and, and folks on that committee will be able to represent this organization well. And I know that our e-board and myself are dedicated to doing what's on our side of the street to make sure that we're all going one direction next year and that our differences are not what we focus on, but rather what we have in common. Uh, but uh, Rob, is a, Rob comes to us from another state, Indiana, where they have a well-oiled uh, Republican Party uh, with his wife, Sue. They were, uh, I, is Sue here, by the way? Okay. Uh, she's homesick. I apologize. I forget. But, uh, uh, and hopefully she gets well. They are the adults in the room because out in Indiana, they have a well-oiled machine, and I do appreciate his perspective. He's sort of my canary in the coal mine, right? I mean, if, if what we're doing in our party makes good sense to a guy like that. Um, but I do appreciate that he's an avoider of nonsense who only focuses on unity. We need some of that. Uh, before I move to our precinct committee, I wanted to make mention that we have a presentation that will be hosted at the Clark County Republican Party offices on Monday, October the 9th. This is from Lloyd Brunson. For the Supreme Court case, he's giving a presentation that day in Mesquite, or I'm sorry, maybe it's the next day, but on Monday the night, he'll be coming here. What I would ask you all to do is go to LloydBrunson.com, L-O-Y Brunson.com. It's a letter writing campaign, so you can actually share your opinion on election integrity issues with the Supreme Court directly, but more info to come. We will uh, be hosting Lloyd Brunson, and I appreciate uh, Miss Hawk out of Mesquite for, for standing right in front of me and making that happen. So we're going to make that happen. Thank you so much. Next up, we have our precinct committee as represented by Socorro Keenan. Socorro is our district representative out of G. That is just how they split up their board into our, our commission districts. They are very de dedicated. They meet weekly. And as the precinct committee, I hope that you'll be able to tell us exactly how you can get involved. Socorro. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for coming. This is huge. This time, 
we are going to be happy about doing what we have to get done. If we don't do it with happiness, we will not be able to welcome anybody to what we have to get done. I'm begging everyone to reach out to your neighbors. It doesn't matter what they think and what the, what the, about Republicans. We all have common things that have to get done this time. And we, we cannot separate each other and just reach out with kindness. We don't have to get upset about anything. And with as, as one of the precincts, our job is to get people involved, to get people involved. Y si hablan español, los, los, los vamos a invitar a todos, que estén más unidos y que sepan que son republicanos, aunque no lo saben. Like Ronald Reagan said, actually Latinos are Republicans, they just don't know it. So the most important thing, let's get them involved, get everybody involved, don't be afraid. God said 365 times in the Bible, do not be afraid. And that's what we have to do this time. Stop being afraid of what we know we can change if we're kind to each other, if we have courage, and if we look up to things of heaven. And that means our children. We have to change a lot of things that we let go. And we were, we were trusting the wrong people all this time. So stop sitting in your nice chairs and get up and have coffee with people. It's going to get cold soon, and please, God, don't let them put masks on us. Because if we don't do this now, they're going to suffocate us, and they're going to, and they're going to make us do things that we're going to really be sorry. So please be kind to each other. I'm, I'm in the Commission District G, and, and reach out. It's A through G, and find out what Commission District you're in when you sign in, sign in and try to remember what precinct you're in. We'll help you with that. We're here to help, we're here to unite, and we're not gonna be arrogant about anything or have any clicks, I hate clicks. So please, this time, reach out with, to each other. And we're here for you, thank you, God bless. Socorro, um, how many precinct captains, I think Paul told me it was like 100 at this point, or how many do you have? 55, 30 trained? Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. So what I could say that you can expect because the committee is always meeting and, and they're, they're, they're tasked with having an appropriate amount of training. They're working with our partners at the Nevada GOP for this. Also uh, looking to what best practices would be with other groups that do it. But we are requesting your participation. You're going to see those requests. Who in this room is a member of the Nevada Republican Central Committee? Okay, good. I, not as shy of a group. That's good. There are a few of you that I know that have not yet completed your proxy, or we don't know whether or not we're attending the meeting on Saturday. We will be discussing that matter here just very soon. But in the meantime, and I'm looking at a guy named John Schmitz, uh, who hasn't uh, actually filled any uh, proxy form out to my knowledge. There are a number of you in the room I haven't yet heard of uh, or heard from. What I would say to you is this. Whatever your position is on the matter of caucus versus primary, it is not a hard promise for me to keep. You tell us what the position you're taking, we hand it off to that group, okay? It's not a hard, it's not a hard promise for me to keep because it's actually about two to one that are pro-caucus, generally speaking. Nevertheless, any of you guys take a position, you write it on there, we hand it over to that camp, one and done, all right? 
that's just kind of how we're going to run it. Um, so if you have not yet filled out your proxy, know that we have those forms here tonight. I have some up here. There were also some at the check-in area on some clipboards. Uh, you can go fill it out there and then just tell us what you want to have happen. And, and I would implore each of you that are a member to consider coming up this weekend. We do need about a dozen or so more people in order for us to get full representation from our county. So with that said, I wanted to thank our presenters uh, very much. Thank you, everybody. Next uh, item on the agenda is our officer reports. I wanted to hear from Sally Minster, our secretary. I want to hear from our political director, Heather Florian, so she can give us our presentation. Just for an update here. Hi guys, good evening. How are you guys tonight? I just wanted to give you guys a quick update where we are at. Um, I've been reaching out to Orange County, California and trying to replicate what they're doing here in Clark County because they're very successful in what they do. And I'm also reaching out. I have a team in Georgia that just reached out to me with a veterans group. So if any of you guys are veterans, we're looking for you guys to join that group. They targeted Clark County as one of their number one districts to flip. So we want to work with them as well. I'm also working with multiple candidates, health committee, whatever we can to cross the finish line. We're also going to multiple events. We just signed up 60 new people at the reawakening tour. And we're at the Hispanic Heritage Festival where we signed up 10 people. We're also going to the immigration march and we're having different events at our office. So if you guys want to get involved, come find me. We got plenty of work for y'all. And that's about it. Have a good night. Time, I'd like to invite up our secretary and our treasurer. Oh, uh, here, let me hand the microphone to our treasurer first, Teresa. Thank you, everybody. I'm not going to go up on stage. I uh, just want to say thank you very much for your donations. I greatly appreciate it. And I want to tell all of our members that we need your help in fundraising and donations. We just started the campaigns for 2024 and we need to get Republicans elected. That's all of our goals. Each of our committees needs help with CCRCC resources, which are limited at this time. We have an office in which our committees use, the, use for the meetings, and it is so nice to see it humming with energy during these committee meetings. We have regular bills, electric cable on our website, in addition to digital, digital check-in, that thanks to Sally went fabulous tonight, um, we have uh, our meeting venues every other month in addition to supporting these committees. So here's just a recap in the last two months. Our income that we've collected has been $5,344. Our subscriptions, digital check-in, email, Zoom, printing, has been $1,398. Meetings for July and September, $3,658 electricity internet for july and august were 1822 dollars and our wonderful bank fees 168 dollars so we've only spent seven thousand forty seven dollars which means we're negative 1202 so anything you guys have ideas for for fundraisers or donations are greatly appreciated and uh, you can email me if you want my emails on the website <laughs> 
Thank you. Thank you, Teresa. Next up, we have Sally Misser. Oh, you don't want to come up here and join us? Oh, okay. I like being down with the people. Um, I want to appreciate you guys, as always, your patience with the check-in. Uh, my head's kind of spinning all the time, but I remember a lot, and I take notes, and I fix problems. Um, I do want you to know that if you are having problems getting emails, I want you to email me, which my email is on the website, the ccrpnvsecretary at gmail.com, and we will look into what is happening with your email, because I did have a couple people come up to me with concerns. Um, but I do appreciate your patience, and that, that email you can send me if you have a name change or if it's misspelled or you want a preferred name on your badge, you just have to send me an email so I can get that changed for you. But um, I appreciate Okay, and that's it. So any questions, you can always email me, and my phone number is 702-303-8325. But it's the best way. All right, guys, thanks. All right, thank you, everybody. Uh, so I wanted to give the chairman's report. Uh, I had a couple of, of items to discuss. Chief among is actually on the topic of the fundraising. Uh, we cannot sustain the organization unless we focus on it. And in the last uh, 60 days, I've put together a fundraising list of about 25 major donors. I've targeted raising $30,000. And right now my commitment, until the check arrives, my commitment's at $4,000. We did of course have a very generous donor tonight for the $1,500 to match your donations. And so I do hope that you can actually join as a sustaining, uh, 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 I'm sorry, sustaining donor, what we're going to unveil, uh, and this was at the advice of one of our really great members who helps, who wants to help me on the finance committee, uh, a nice young man named Ryan Hamilton and I had traded some, uh, some conversations over the phone. We're creating an organization called CCRP Plus. CCRP Plus is specifically our sustaining donors. This will be all of you. The target here is to have 250 of our members with an average donation of $100. With that, of course, we'll have a membership pin for the entry level uh, that will help you when we have a few of the events coming up for our major surrogates so that you'll get to have lunches with legislators or folks who are visiting and that the entry for that is at cost as opposed to others who might be having to be charged a fee. So we're going to send out what that is, but my request for you is to go to our website, ClarkCountyRepublicanParty.com, click Donate, when you go there, you can enter in a monthly recurring, uh, recurring donation and become part of our CCRP plus sustaining donor. Now, how close are we also on these uh, major donors? The good news is I actually have a very prominent Republican who's making some of the calls with me. So the hope is that we can strong arm them. There are a couple folks here tonight that I've actually cornered about the same thing. And my hope here for November is that instead of saying that we've raised only the five, was it 5,700, uh, 5,200? the 5,000 plus that we're gonna hear that we've raised actually 10,000 plus here at the next meeting. And uh, I certainly am, am on track for that already. So uh, hopefully that, that that will be the case. Um, beyond that, I wanted to uh, just address that we did lose our vice chairman who resigned two days ago, Mr. John Rukagan. I wanted to uh, offer him our vote of thanks. We accepted his resignation, but thank you so much. Um, 
I, I wanted to say that that the the while the priorities that that he was saying were more urgent in his mind, they were still really good. You know, having us be as organized and efficient as possible is still a priority for us, and it is happening. Um, in the meantime, our e-board had to nominate somebody because we have this, uh, what is it, the presidential caucus? Well, that's our precinct meetings that we do literally every two years. That's one thing that is, a, is a next on our presentation to talk about. But we, since I've been involved, in fact, since 1981, have had neighborhood precinct meetings as a caucus every two years. It used to be in state law. When the state law changed, we put it, you know, memorialize it in our bylaws that in order to form our party, in order to have a convention, you have precinct and neighborhood meetings. And so that is such an urgent thing that we want everybody to be included in a big presidential year that we needed somebody to take the lead on still organizing that. We've asked a board member named Devin Lipsy, who is a trustee, who has a lot of professional experience in politics as an organizer. He's kind enough to step up uh, as vice chairman. Uh, the board accepted that nomination and uh, he'll be running the, uh, the caucuses and, and preparing it uh, for the next foreseeable future. And with that said, I wanted to move forward to the vice chair uh, report. Mr. Lipsy, if you could come up here and just tell us a few words about the caucus. We um, started working on the caucus um, just a day and a half ago. We have a target of 40 sites. We've already identified, uh, we have a target of 40 with a goal of 25. We've already identified 12 of those sites and begun in making sure that those sites are available and filling out the appropriate paperwork to get those sites. Um, we are grouping them by high density Republican voting in the, by the assembly districts. And then also each rural area will have its own caucus site also. Um, basically where the voters, the Republican voters vote the most and are most likely to come and vote, that's where you're gonna see a lot of the sites. In places where we don't have as many voters, of course there'll be less sites. It's just not effective to have as many sites in the non-voting areas or the Democrat run areas. We. Um, like I said, we've already identified 12 of the sites. We will be filling out the paperwork to reserve those sites. And once that is done, those sites will be turned over to the state and then they will take it from there. Um, we've already ID'd all the caucus leads for these 12 sites. So we have the people that are gonna run those sites ID'd already. Um, we've uh, already started signing up volunteers just today at the meeting. In about 15 minutes, I was able to secure 30 volunteers that said they would help us with the sites. Some of them, some of them already have conference experience where they've worked sites before. A couple of them were people that are elected officials and or running for offices. Um, which, if you're running for office and you want to run a caucus site, we will put you in your district and everybody walking through that door will be somebody that is able to vote for you in the upcoming election. So that's just for somebody who's running for office. Now, um, as far as the difference between a, pr a primary and the caucus, 
part of the presentation is going to be done by Rob Tyree. He has all the bylaws and stuff on that, so I'm going to turn over to him now. Apologies, we, gotta do, oops, we have to do a quick technology uh, change here. So, one second. You gotta unplug it and plug it back in, right? That's what you do. But the other one's not. I, I assume that's a. Okay. All right. We're good. Everybody can see. Excellent. All right. Well, I assume most of you know me, uh, Rob Tyree. I am uh, not only uh, the uh, chairman's uh, county whip, but I'm also the uh, chairman of the bylaws committee for the NBGOP, which means that I am very familiar with uh, many of the, or all of the uh, resolutions that are coming up this Saturday in order to uh, make a few adjustments to our standing rules in order to facilitate uh, running a caucus instead of a primary. So uh, let me put this in the slideshow mode here. Start. There we go. All right, there we go. All right. So why should we care whether we have a caucus or a primary? We're still getting a nominee, right? So, in fact, there's a bunch of reasons why we actually do care. First of all, there's advantages and disadvantages to both systems. Uh, we'll go through those. Uh, you know, I've, I've tried to include uh, some of the talking points from both sides, just so that uh, you know it, it's a it's a bit balanced. Um, but there's also been a ton of uh, misrepresentation and just outright lies about how the caucus system works versus a primary and things like that. So I want to, I really want to debunk some of those myths and we'll do that toward the end. If we have time, uh, I'll be more than happy to take a couple questions and uh, answer any uh, inquiries you have. So, so first of all, uh, I only went back, uh, our, our uh, state, uh, National Committee man Jim DeGraffery actually went back to when the state was founded. I'm not kidding you. To research how presidential nominees were or were, were elected from the state of Nevada. Initially, for almost 100 years or so, I think uh, 70, 80 years, the people of Nevada actually elected their presidential nominators directly. I'm not sure exactly how that worked. I haven't dug into the Legislative Council Bureau's research or anything like that. So I went back as far as about 1980. Uh, so up until, for, for many, many years after the direct elections, we had been on a caucus system. Uh, 1981, uh, there was a, an assembly bill that, uh, or uh, apologies, in the 70s, there was a bill that actually uh, caused, that was, the purpose of it was to uh, get us onto a primary system versus a caucus. Didn't work. Uh, Nobody turned out. It didn't. It didn't have any of the intended effects. So uh, it was basically scrapped. In 1996, 
again, uh, the legislature enabled, they, they basically, they didn't require one or the other, they just gave the option. A, a major political party could run a caucus, they could run, or they could uh, have a primary. The Republican Party in that year actually determined that they were going to run a primary instead. Uh, that was Bob Dole. I don't know how many of you remember Bob Dole, but I remember how that went. So uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with the primary or not. Uh, I'm going to outline some ideas about why it might have, but the fact of the matter is we have been a caucus state for most of our existence. In 2006, so our, our primary or caucus, whichever one we had, used to take place in May, which is essentially meaningless. I mean, Super Tuesday had already happened, all the early states had already happened. We were one of the last states to actually have a say in who was going to be the party nominee. But in 2006, the RNC and the DNC agreed that because Nevada is such a bellwether state, it's a swing state, that they were going to move Nevada to the, in the fourth early state. We are the first in the West Caucus. Nobody west of the Mississippi has a primary nominating event, a presidential nominating event, primary or caucus, that happens before ours does. That's a privilege, and it could be taken away. And there's been talk about it. Texas wants it, Arizona wants it, there's a number of other states that think that uh, they're more deserving. So we have always made an effort. Our state chairman, Michael McDonald, has fought tooth and nail to make sure that we maintain our status as one, of the as one of the first four early states. Our now national committee man, Jim DeGraffenreid, same thing. He serves on the rules committee for the uh, RNC, partially just to make sure that anything that comes up that would threaten our status as an early state can be quashed before it actually makes any traction. But just know that there are other states that want that privilege and we need to keep that in mind before we actually try and make any massive changes. When the RNC specifically made these changes, they did so because they wanted two caucus states and two primary states. The four early states, Iowa, or New Hampshire, sorry, they go first, New Hampshire, primary state, Iowa, caucus state. In prior presidential election cycles, South Carolina has come before or after us, but South Carolina is a primary state. They wanted a fourth state in the West, but they wanted to balance it out. So they wanted a caucus state. We offered that. Some of the other states did not. That's why we got the opportunity to be that fourth early state. So what is a caucus? How many, how many people here have been to, uh, right? What you've actually been to is called a precinct meeting. Precinct meetings were formerly actually outlined in state law until 2021 when they were, the uh, election laws were massively changed. That is part of the reason why this is all required, but what we were actually doing there is, is actually called a pre precinct meeting, okay? We gather by precinct, we get together with our friends, we get together with our neighbors, and we talk about politics. We talk about what our county thinks is important. And we submit that to the county party so that it can then be considered at the county, com at the county convention. We also elect our delegates to the county convention at that uh, precinct meeting. 
also known as a caucus. They're pretty much interchangeable. We have done a precinct meeting slash caucus every two years, whether it's a presidential year or a non-presidential election. Every two years, we've had a precinct meeting slash caucus for decades. Even in, two, even in the two, 2020 election, excuse me, even in the 2020 election, when the state party determined that because there was no valid challenger to President Trump, so we were going to forego that presidential preference primary or a presidential preference vote, there was, we still were required to run a, a, a precinct meeting. The reason for this is that there are several things that used to be required by state law, but are still required by the MVGOP bylaws and CCRP bylaws and rules that we have to do. Who knows how to become, who here knows how to become a delegate to your county convention? I see a small number of hands. So the way that you become, the way that you get to go to the county convention or the state convention and ultimately the RNC National Convention where our nominee is elected is it starts with that precinct meeting. At that caucus is where we have traditionally voted on who gets to go on and take that next step to be a delegate. And then you get to be a state delegate. And then you get to be a national delegate if you're elected. So the proposal by the state party is that uh, we're going to hold a caucus Thursday, February 8, 2024. All counties will have a universal start time. Some counties will have multiple start times because of uh, you know, the density of precincts in that particular county, Clark being one of those. We might have some precincts start at five, and some start at seven, or uh, you know, the, the, the planning hasn't made it quite that far, but it allows us a bit of a window. Uh, we're hoping to have all of the uh, precinct meetings ended by nine o'clock so that uh, votes can be tabulated and we can report results. So what are the goals of a caucus, right? Caucuses draw attention. Iowa isn't necessarily a terribly important state in the grand scheme of an election, right? But why is it important now? Because it's one of the first states to go, just like we are. It attracts attention. Candidates want to go there. They want to campaign there because they know how important that early performance is in carrying on and actually doing well and having success in on Super Tuesday or some of the later states, things like that. Caucuses are great for voter registration, volunteer recruitment, uh, and not just for the party, but also for the candidates. In order to do well at a caucus, you have to recruit support. You have to push your supporters out to that caucus, onto the county convention, onto the state convention. Otherwise, you won't get the votes at the state convention to have your people go to the national convention in Milwaukee. So it, it's, it's an opportunity to build a lot of excitement. We can fundraise, we can recruit. It gives us a lot of opportunities for voter contact and not just meaningless, you know, we sent them a piece of mail voter contact, but actually face-to-face -face voter contact where they're, inter where they're actually interfacing with a, a volunteer from the Clark County Republican Party or the MBGOP and having, having a conversation with them. 
if you want to get people involved in the central committee, if you want to get people to volunteer for campaigns or volunteer for the party, county or state, this is the place to do it. It also gives us an opportunity to gather information about our voters. We get to clean up all of our uh, voting information. Uh, that, that's, that's an extremely important component as things go on because we need to know who our people are as Republicans and who, you know, who we may have to do some uh, convincing. Finally, the caucus allows us an opportunity to fundraise. People that go to the caucus have an opportunity to be county convention delegates. In 2012, or sorry, I'm, I'm going to go back a little further. In 2008, would anyone here venture to guess what the Clark County Republican Party's largest fundraiser of the year was? It was a convention. The convention raises more money than any other event. Even the Lincoln Day does not make as much money, and we can still actually get people to try and get, come to the Lincoln Day as well. But the, the convention for the county party, in many years, also the state party, the convention is the largest single event that allows for fundraising and fills the coffers. That's how we pay the bills. So what are the advantages of a caucus? Caucuses require people, campaigns, I'm sorry, to actually have infrastructure. You gotta have boots on the ground because if you are not recruiting those supporters, pushing them out to the precinct meetings or the caucus, pushing them up to the uh, county convention and state convention, you can't win any delegates. That's just plain and simple. And the point of this whole exercise is to determine how many of Nevada's delegates go to which candidate. You're going to get more active campaigns. You're going to have candidates that actually want to come to the state. They want to do events. They want to interface with voters directly instead of just flooding the airwaves with TV commercials. Because in primary states, that is what tends to happen. Furthermore, the MBGOP trying to be a uh, think ahead and uh, help out, you know, not just themselves, but you know, the entire state has actually offered a discount on, or a discount rebate. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work yet, but we're still uh, you know, going through those details, but basically candidates are gonna get a $20,000 discount it, simply if they, does, if they agree to work with the state party and county parties to do a fundraiser or do some events. We want the candidates to come here, right? You want Trump here? You want DeSantis here? You want Vivek here? I mean, I'll say it, Mike Pence, anybody? Anyone? Anyone? All right, okay, okay, okay. Don't throw anything, please. All right, but we want candidates to engage. We want them to actually come to our state. We want them to talk to you. We want them to actually politic. We want them to actually campaign rather than just throwing a couple million dollars worth of TV ads up and hoping that they get enough votes. Second of all, cost of the caucus is actually paid by the campaigns. It's paid by the candidates. It's not paid by taxpayers. There's a $55,000 filing fee, which is completely in line with a lot of other states. As you can see, Idaho is 50,000, South Carolina, which we go before South Carolina, they're 50,000. Iowa's 30,000. I mean, South Carolina goes after we do. If a candidate just does a fundraiser, our fee is 35. 
I think that's a pretty good deal. So the cost, according to the state, if we decide to, or if we are forced to go through with the, uh, the primary election, is about $5 million. Now, personally, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of uh, ironic and funny to make a bunch of Democrats pay for our nomination process. But at the same hand, they have to pay for ours. So, you know, $5 million seems a little, uh, a little rough. I'd rather not spend it than spend it. And if we can save a bunch of money and actually have better control, then I'm all down with that. So, the most important thing in my book. All right. What, what does the slide say? All right. What does that? All right. What does that next slide say? <laughs> election integrity. And the third slide. Election. There's three of them. I, I should like change the position or something. But so it would, be, it would be. But I actually put three election integrity slides in there because it is that important. So. With a caucus, the process is completely managed by the CCRP and the MDGOP. It's defined by our rules, and it's not left to the Clark County Department of Elections and our Democrat Secretary of State to run the process by which we choose our nominee. Who here remembers, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm old enough to remember 2020, right? Who here remembers? It, oh. Uh, do we trust the uh, Nevada Secretary of State's office? Do we trust the uh, Clark County uh, Department of Elections? Why would we want to allow them to have any part of selecting who our presidential nominee is going to be for the Republican Party when the entire county, our Democrat Secretary of State, right? Why should he have anything to do with it? Our largely Democrat Department of Elections. Why should they have anything to do with it? It's a private party event. We determine who our nominee is. The RNC has backed that up, and court cases have backed that up. I'll get to that in a minute. I'll get there, I'll get there. All right, so same day, same day results, right? We get election day, not election week. I remember election week, it sucked. Finally, Election integrity, it is that important. Read the quote, Joseph Stalin, the people who cast the votes don't decide the election, the people who count the votes do. I want to know that my, my vote was actually counted and represented properly. I don't trust our Department of Elections, I don't trust our Secretary of State to do that. So, what are the, what are the, what are the advantages of a primary? Anybody? Uh, well, here we go. It doesn't cost us anything. The taxpayers pay for the whole thing, but as opposed to we're guessing 250,000 for the caucus. We are the taxpayers. I mean, but you know, it, it, I'd rather pay my share of 250 than five million. That's just me. So, primary other other advantages. Uh, if you like universal mail-in balloting, that will be available to you. The primary is going to allow for. Universal mail-in balloting, which does make it a simpler process to actually cast a vote in the presidential preference poll. You're going to be able to early vote. Also makes it a bit easier. Electronic voting machines. Quick, easy, hackable. Oh, I did, did I say that on there? Sorry. Uh, the entire process is, is entirely supervised and executed by the Secretary of State and the Department of Elections. So we don't have to do anything and it just happens. But is that a good thing or not? I don't know. 
We still have to recruit poll workers. We still have to recruit poll watchers. If we were running a caucus, we'd need to recruit site managers and precinct captains and things like that. So you can you know, judge on the scales which one you think is bad. So the, the disadvantages to a caucus. You actually have to try. You have to make an effort to participate. You have to, partic you have to attend in person. You can't vote by mail. We have to recruit volunteers. We need site managers. We need ballot tabulators. We need precinct captains. We need all kinds of people that are going to help us pull this entire event off. And finally, it's really inconvenient if you don't have a driver's license and you know, or are a Nevada resident if you want to participate. So, I guess that's a I guess that's a disadvantage to some people. What are the disadvantages of a primary? So first of all, $5 million as compared to 250,000 roughly. For literally 5% of the money, we get the same effect. And the CCRP still has to run precinct meetings because we have to elect delegates to the county convention in order to get delegates to the state convention, in order to get delegates to the national convention. We don't get out of that. But without that presidential preference primary, we don't actually have any means of pushing people out to that event. That poll pushes people out to the event. In 2016, in 2012, when we had presidential preference polls, attendance was way higher. In 2020, we opted not to do that because we had an incumbent president who was going to be our very, very obvious nominee. And because of that, it actually robbed us of an opportunity to fundraise. Now, at the time, President Trump was kind enough to actually do, do a fundraiser for us to kind of make up for that. But in, in a field where we have multiple candidates, there's absolutely no reason why we should not use this opportunity to raise some money for the county party, the state party. And what do we need in order to elect candidates? Money, right? We need, we got to sign people up for the conventions. We got to sign people up for Lincoln Days. We got to do all of those things. That is the lifeblood of the organization. All right, oh, I, I, I got a little ahead of myself there. And finally, primary disadvantages. Election integrity, slide one. Let, oh, and still the same, slide two, slide three, okay. Slide four. With a presidential preference primary instead of a caucus, you're going to have mail-in ballots, universal. We are gonna mail out statewide over 600,000 ballots to Republicans all across the state. What could go wrong? In 2016 at the caucus, we had about 75,000 participants. And I'm gonna show you some numbers that are gonna open your eyes as far as primary versus caucus participation. Yeah. Um, you're gonna have 450,000 ballots in trash cans, even if the participation doubles. Even if we doubled that 75,000, 450,000 loose ballots floating around, trash cans, on the, on the street, wherever, who knows what's going to happen with it. Mail-in ballots get accepted up to four days after the election. So again, welcome back to election week, okay? Caucus, we'll have results that night. Might be late, might be four in the morning, but we'll have results that night. So I don't need to again stress the importance of election integrity, right? We don't have to go over this again. I've hammered that home. All right. So, a little quote, uh, you know, 
little-known political consultant. All right, so there's a, there's a whole bunch of lies and myths that are going around about docs. Takes too long. Realistically, you're done in an hour, hour and a half maximum. If you can't commit an hour or hour and a half to help select your party's nominee, I don't think you're serious about politics. I don't think you're serious about the future of our country. That is a small sacrifice to ask. Even for those that don't want to invest that time or can't, maybe they can stop by, you know, they're, they're working a swing shift, whatever, they can still drop by and drop a ballot and it's not that dissimilar to the, the primary other than there's transparency, the votes get counted, there's payments, there's voter ID and all, you know, all the stuff that, uh, we, that Republicans supposedly care about. So it's a lot like the primary in that way. It just has all of the things in an election that we actually want and care about in order to make sure that we have an honest and fair election. The slide says it's the most traditional form of democracy. I would uh, say it's the most traditional form of democracy, which is a re representative democracy. We represent, we elect representatives to go forward and as we go up the level, we, you know, we have a state legislature, we have a Congress, we have a, you know, there's all these levels, but it starts with us. We are all elected officials. Everybody in this room that is a member of the CCRP, you're an elected official. You got elected to serve as a member of the CCRP. We're all politicians. Congratulations, and I'm sorry. But we have to start thinking that way and acting that way. Number two, uh, people are saying that it's against the law. It's not. There is no requirement that the, or there's no limitation on the parties in terms of what they do to determine who their, nom or who their nominee is in any way, shape, or form. They can do delegates however they want. The presidential preference poll is non-binding if it's run in a primary. If you vote in the caucus, it is binding. Your vote actually counts. The primary, and I had a, I was working on a slide, didn't have time to finish it, but it was a, you know, it was a picture of the Miss American contest because the, the uh, primary is a beauty contest. That's all it is. That's it. So there's also this myth going around that turnout's lower in a caucus than a primary. Well, let's look at that for a second. We got 75,000 Republicans in the 2016 caucus, June 2016 primary election. 18.5% turnout versus 17.8, oh, sorry. It's virtually the same. There's almost no difference in, in, in terms of turnout. So this idea that we are going to vastly increase participation by converting over to a primary instead of a caucus, it doesn't check out. Universal mail ballots, even they don't even increase participation meaningfully. You can look at the numbers right there. They don't actually allow more people to vote. More people don't vote regardless. If people want to vote, they're going to vote. If they are ambivalent, they're ambivalent. That's just how it goes. So, oh, state law, oh, sorry. Waste of party funds. Well, the fact of the matter is that the candidates are actually who will pay for that caucus. It's a net zero to the party, both CCRP and MVGOP. The way that we have budgeted it is such that the candidate fees that are being paid will actually cover the cost of running the primary 
or uh, apologies, running the, the caucus. The primary state, the state pays for, taxpayers pay for. The caucus, actually, uh, we actually break even and don't cost anybody anything. Uh, you can see what some of the other states charge. We're right in line. It's not an unreasonable fee. Uh, this is this is cash on hand for all the candidates. You know, you, you know Trump, uh, 22 million. DeSantis, 12 million. Ramaswamy, uh, 9 million. 50,000 or 55,000 dollars is not a significant burden. We're not we're not eliminating anybody based on what we're charging. So how it works, and I'm I'm, I'm getting uh, told to hurry here, so. Uh, paper ballots during the caucus, that's, that's what we do the presidential preference poll. The results will be proportionally bound to how that vote goes out. The uh, delegates that get elected are elected based on that from the state, uh, the state convention. Uh, we have 26 delegates, so it's meaningful for a lot of candidates. That, that, that's a meaningful number of delegates. But in order to get any of those delegates, the caucus is the way that they are actually able to do that. The primary is non-binding, it's a beauty contest, and it doesn't actually help them gain the nomination of the Republican Party. It does nothing for that purpose. Any candidate that's qualified and pays the fee gets to be on the ballot. It's pretty self-explanatory, right? If they drop uh, their, their candidate, or their, uh, if they drop after the, uh, the caucus, none of their uh, delegates get bound, they get split up based on the proportional of who is actually left left in the race. So we're not sending people to Milwaukee to you know, vote for someone that's not even running. So here you go. This is you know, my, my assessment of the two options that we have. Voter ID, precinct-based voting, where we can recruit and actually engage with the with voters. We get election day, we have results same day, paper ballots that can be tracked, there will be complete transparency and uh, you'll watch the count in your precinct, you'll watch them be counted. Uh, tabulation will be transparent, every campaign will be able to uh, have people there to observe, make sure that everything's fair. Uh, and finally, there's no dark money. Dark money buys TV, okay? Caucuses are not one on TV, they're one on the ground. Primaries get one on TV. That's the difference. I'd rather have campaigns investing in our state, putting people in our state, building a ground game and infrastructure in our state, because that's what's going to help all the down ticket people win elections as well. We need that infrastructure, we need those people here in order to, to succeed. So I just wanted to close out a couple of, couple of uh, quotes. Um, Chuck Booth, who uh, you know, has been rather critical of me lately on this issue, but uh, just a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna read these quickly. A change to a primary would also mean the cost of selecting the Republican and Democrat party nominees will be paid for by the state's taxpayers instead of the major parties. It's a truly dumb idea being sold as a way to increase voter participation. Look, if voters can't be bothered to show up at a caucus meeting and participate actively, not passively, in the candidate selection process, then they're not serious and shouldn't be taken as such. Worse, they're probably part of that portion of the electorate known as low information voters. Please ex explain to me how the Republic is strengthened, sorry typo, by boosting the number of ill-informed or uninformed voters. That's his newsletter, April 6, 2015, when the legislature was initially thinking about going back to a primary. 
I think that says it all right there. I don't need to add anything. Chuck said it all for me. I'm not sure if he like fell and hit his head or why you know he suddenly has changed his mind on the whole thing, but it is what it is. But I've got one more for you. First, it's indisputable that mail-in ballots have a greater potential for voter fraud than in-person voting, as well as a higher chance that your ballot might not be received. Ever had a birthday card get lost in the mail? Or might not be counted for various reasons. In fact, in the June 2020 primary, which is an all-mail election, over 10,000 mail-in ballots weren't counted when, over, when only 30% of voters cast a ballot. That number will surely skyrocket in the general election when far more people actually vote. Again, I think Chuck just made my point for me. He's, he's made that point about voter integrity, election integrity for me. We, I don't trust the Secretary of State. I don't know about you, but I don't. I don't trust the Clark County Department of Elections. I think that uh, there's a whole bunch of hijinks that go on there. So at the end of the day, we need to look at the process. We need to look at how this thing is actually going to happen and realize that there's opportunity for a lot of interference. We could have Democrats registering same day at a caucus site, or at a, I'm sorry, not at a caucus site, because we require 30 days ahead registration, but at a primary site, they could show up, they could register, like change their registration, Democrats or Republican, and they get to cast a provisional ballot. Get a couple thousand of those people that know, you know if the, there's only one Democratic nominee or I don't know if Biden makes it that far, but hey, whatever. If there's not a competitive nomination process on the Democratic side, what reason is there for Democrats not to quickly register as Republican and mess with our nomination process? They can absolutely do it. It's happened before. Don't, you know, don't, don't belittle or uh, forget to consider those kinds of things. So uh, that, that is the, that's the end of my presentation. I hope that uh, it was informative. Obviously, you know, I have my feelings about which is the better option. And uh, I hope that uh, you're, you're better informed and you can make a better decision on Saturday. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Tyree. I had a, a gentleman right here uh, who wanted to, if you'll all indulge a bit of chairman's privilege. Uh, Jim Small just had a question for everybody. All right, I have a really quick question. It might save the evening. First of all, let me thank Rob Perry because Rob, there's no question in my mind, he's a good Republican. All right, let's give Rob a hand. All right, that being said, it can save us all some time right now. Let's do something really quick, and it will kind of do our sentiment right now. Who would like a caucus? Hold up your hand. Who would like a primary? All right, there you go. That took care of that. Thank you, Mr. Small. Now, I wanted to invite Mary Bagani up. Uh, Mary uh, is from the Nevada Federation of Republican Women. She's a long-serving volunteer. She's just going to take a few minutes to discuss the Nevada Federation of Republican Women and tell you a little bit about what's going on there and herself. Mary. Thank you, Jesse, for giving me this time. I'm running for president of the Nevada Federation of Republican Women. And I'm doing that because I believe that the Federation is only surviving right now when we should be flourishing. Every Republican Party should be flourishing, whether it's the county or the state. And hopefully, we'll be able to work together a little bit more. In history, if you remember, and probably don't, maybe some of you do, but as far back as Barry Goldwater, 
that without the women of the Republican Party, there would be no Republican Party. Donald Trump in 2020 was talking with Tom Cotton and said that without the Nevada Federation Republican women, there would be no party. That the future of the Republican Party is in their hands. Now I know that many of you women here belong to clubs and I'm here to make a plea for you to go up to Reno October 20th, 21st to the convention and to vote for the five Republican women from Southern Nevada that are seeking seats on the executive committee. Myself, Jennifer Tuggle, Heather Stammer, Linda Powers. So please take the time to venture up to Reno, bring the executive committee of the Nevada Republican women back down to Clark County. Thank you, Jesse. We are, we are all, you know, all you hear today is how we need to get together. We need to support each other. We have the same voice, a conservative voice, and we have the same goal, and that is to protect our constitutional freedoms. If that's not what you're about, then you might be in the wrong party. So please, ladies, gentlemen, encourage your wives. If you're a member of a, a women's group to come up to, to Reno, if you're not a member of a women's group yet, find out how you can join one. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Ladies and gentlemen, I was supposed to bring Mary up here about an hour ago, but we've uh, in, uh, had some very intense discussions. Thank you, Mary Bagani. Yeah. Um, I need a martini, but not what you think. Is Steve or Melinda Martini here? I thought I saw Steve earlier. Okay, they were definitely here. I'll give them a call later. That was a shout out to them because they're winners, winners, chicken dinners. Um, next item on the agenda is new business. No one has presented any new business ahead of time. If you have any, you can go to the microphone. Seeing no new business, I'd like to uh, at least turn over the microphone for a brief announcement from our chaplain, Al Shaw. Thank you, Jesse. So how's everyone doing tonight? It's been kind of long, right? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff slogging through, but it's all important. Um, here's another question, who has gone through a constitutional live or a biblical citizenship class? Raise your hands. Excellent, excellent. Now, those of you who haven't, okay, it is now your time, all right? We are starting a new uh, cycle of classes on October 15th, okay? So starting uh, two o'clock to four o'clock, we're doing biblical citizenship. Uh, from five to seven, we're doing constitutional live. Now, here's the real cool thing though. So who of you guys remember who Rick Green is? Yes, yes. He's actually the one who put together all of these uh, classes for us. Well, guess what, folks? Rick Green will be literally on this stage on November 11th. Okay? So it's, it's great because, you know, everyone recognizes how important Clark County is. And Patriot Academy, it's a, it's a national, uh, you know, organization. They understand how important it is to get people in Clark County activated. So please 
Mark your calendars. Save the date. November 11th. That's a Saturday. Okay? Uh, we're going to have Rick Green here. He's going to be talking about how important it is to engage. Bring your friends. Bring your uh, family. Bring your neighbors. It's going to be an awesome uh, time together. Uh, the other thing that's going to happen is there's this thing called uh, uh, American Journey Experience. Who's ever heard of that? Okay. Who's ever heard of Glenn Beck? Yeah. Okay. So Glenn Beck. And uh, Dave and Tim Barton of Wall Builders got together and created America's Journey Experience. And they have literally collected like hundreds and thousands of artifacts from uh, the revolutionary times. And what they do is they actually set up a mini museum so you can actually encounter those artifacts. Okay. They're going to be here on November 11th as well. Okay, it's number 11, very, very special day. Veterans Day, obviously. It's also the 406th anniversary of the signing of the Mayflower Compact. Okay, so hope to see you guys there. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Chaplain. Uh, Robert Rupert. There was a gentleman sitting in the uh, aisle next to me who have a very important uh, point that he wanted to have Rob Tyree address. I don't know if Rob is still available, but he asked this gentleman, was mentioning how do the military participate in the caucus process. So if Rob, you're still here and you have that information, it would be nice to know. Thank you, Robert. First of all, very important. Uh, I have requested that clarification. I know also that will be addressed this weekend. I just haven't seen it uh, in a response because I think folks that I text aren't here yet. Rob to the restroom, I don't know, he's up there for a half hour, uh, maybe as a small ladder, or something like this, I don't know. Anyway, listen, uh, we've reached the end of our wonderful events. Uh, I appreciate everybody staying here to the end. I'm gonna stay here and see everybody. If there are a few of you who haven't done uh, your proxies, know that we still have those forms. Again, we'll just assign them to whatever your preferences, caucus or primary. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to help you with that. With that, I'd like to entertain a motion to adjourn. All those in favor of adjourning, please say aye. Any opposed, please say nay. All right, we're adjourned. Sorry, John. I know you missed us. <laughs>
Carl predicted it. Oh, okay. <clears throat> he nailed it. 60 days. Yeah. That was, yeah. Why did you think so? What? Why did he think so? I don't know. Carl just admits it. We all thought so. I thought it would be soon. I said 66. I thought I he'd make it to this one and quit. But I'm new to this stuff. I thought he would at least run one meeting and then say, fucking out of here. So. I knew he was a weak man made out of jelly, so I knew he would last. <laughs> it's true. What's up, Bill? Thanks. Yeah. There you go. I got a genuine Bill Conrad rookie card. So weak. There's some stairs. Hey. Y'all getting in? There you go. This here is waiting for us. But Chris is going to sabotage it a little bit. Hey, Chris. Super, how are you? Good, good. Yeah, I'm still streaming right now. You know who wants a copy of that? TAA Podcast. It's on there. I just, I streamed it. It's it's on there right now. Are you still recording? I'm still streaming, yes. What is it on? podcast and your videos on there. There we go. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I didn't get my normal VIP spot. I'm over there somewhere. It's a good place to get hit. All right, am I still on there? <clears throat> I'm still on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know what? I could run my uh, with a nice view of the strip. I'll do the uh, the Sherman outro and then in the thing. News flowing, people laughing, chit chat, chit chat, fun, fun, fun. So we had a great, great. Sam wanted to say before he split. He did. No lighting. You're not lit. Up his car right behind you. I can't win. You know, message for politics in Nevada. You can't win. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield right now. Hey, I tell you. <laughs> wow, you are in like, yeah, shadow. It's crazy. There's no light. All right.
I'm going to hit the outro for real. Good now. times, good stuff. Thank you for covering this PAA. It's my pleasure. And 60 days. flowing, people laughing, chit-chat, chit-chat, fun, fun, fun. So we had a great, great time. 